Hi, grannies. Welcome to Elder Millennials, the Bobble Clubhouse podcast for people who love knitting, crocheting, and basically all things crafting. I'm your host, avid knitter, crocheter, and reality TV show binge watcher, Samantha Brunson. Today on the podcast, we have one of my really good friends and badass knitter, Jennifer Plumridge. Hey, Samantha. Jen! (laughs) Oh my god, we figured it out! (laughs) We figured it out! Okay, so there's a reason why I wanted you to be the first guest on this podcast, and it's because I knew that I would run into some kind of granny-style technical difficulty. I need it to be Jen so that we can laugh about this together. So we are officially recording, but it took us like... 10 minutes to figure this out (laughs) how many granny knitters does it take to do a podcast (laughs) um apparently (laughs) thank you so much for doing this oh my goodness I'm so excited so it's basically just knitting crocheting and what we like to listen to or watch while we do those things (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so basically a conversation that we would have anyways yeah I mean because let's face it we're basically like in our 20s and granny yeah yeah um did you see that mm-hmm. Netflix special um that comedian that we love um Eliza and I'm not gonna pronounce her last name oh wait I saw the party monster one I didn't see the new one that well, came out but yeah, I, she did, it's on my she lineup did a new one and it's called like elder millennials and it just oh, yeah. truly spoke to my heart because that's, that's what we are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's funny because I think I still have a baby face. <laughs> so at the shop, we've hired like a couple new people. And one of the girls who's like 22 legitimately, legitimately ooh, um, <laughs> thought that I was the same age as her. And I was like, oh, great. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. No, no, just just a granny with a baby face. Yeah. <laughs> so you work at a yarn shop in Chicago called yeah. Nina Chicago. So good. And yeah, we have, um, you know, we I teach a lot of knitting mm-hmm. lessons, and um, we have lots of yarn, obviously. <laughs> And we also have, like, a bunch of different knit groups, which is really nice. And um, I actually started shopping there, gosh, probably, like, 10 years ago when I first moved to Chicago. Yeah. And then I sort of knew Nina just because I would go there, like, a couple times a year when I – when we were getting ready for the, the, like, fashion show Mm -hmm. stuff. Because we went to Um, SAIC in Chicago. mm -hmm. I keep forgetting that it's not just a conversation between the two of us. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's just like weird to be like, oh yeah, there's other people that are going to be listening to this because this this just feels like a Samantha Jen like hangout. (laughs) Yeah, but it's really funny because I was thinking about this the other day and the weird thing is um, I can look up my purchase history at the shop and see when I first shopped there and the first thing that I bought. Oh, wow. Which is really weird, but I bought Rowan Big Wool because I made the seed stitch cowl, and I still have it, and I still love it, and I still wear it. Oh, that's so cute. 
really amazing, actually. I can't believe it's yeah, been that long. Yeah, which is cool. Yeah, I know. I can't believe it's been that long, though. And the other thing is, too, is that I used to shop at, like, a variety of different yarn shops in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then – um But also when we were in school, because we were, you know, in school, you don't have a lot of money. So another thing that I used to do is I used to go thrifting and then take apart old sweaters. Yeah. And then rehang the yarn and then like re-knit things with it. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I used to do that too. It's just such an easy way to get good quality yarn. Um, You buy a sweater for like five bucks and you have... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a sweater a quantity, sweater quantity for five bucks. <laughs> yeah those college life hacks <laughs> yeah yeah it's like what's the what's the style um I'm being environmentally friendly and upside yeah there you go yeah it's a thing also, and it's very college. cost effective yes <laughs> yeah that's a really good um hack actually I should mm-hmm. do that again I haven't done that for a while yeah. How long have you been knitting? Because I feel like we've talked about this forever, but I don't know if I've ever actually asked you that. You've been knitting Um, for as long as I've known you. Yeah, I've been knitting um, since I was 11, I think. Mm. So maybe like 17 years, 16 years, maybe. Who taught you? Um, So my... Mom's sister, my aunt, she taught me how to knit. She didn't teach me how to cast on or anything, but just how to do the knit stitch mm-hmm. and not how to cast off. So um, I was very determined that I was going to be good at knitting because my English granny on the opposite side of my family was amazing at knitting and she had passed away the previous year. And I was like, well, who's going to knit for everyone now? And I, like, really admired her. Yeah. And so I really wanted to be good at knitting, and I was very determined. The first thing I made was supposed to be a pink scarf. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I teach a lot of people how to knit, and I'm always like, I really wish I kept the first thing that I knitted just to show people how terrible it yeah. was. Because there were all these, like, drop stitches in there, and, like, my tension was uneven, and I didn't really know what I was doing, and obviously I didn't know how to cast off at that point. Yeah. Um, I think people think it's, like, I don't know, they think it's going to be so instant, like, they're going to get it right away, and then when they hit, like, any hiccup, it's just, like, oh, I can't do this. I'm awful at this. And then they just, like, put it down, and they yeah, and they it's... can't do it. But everyone. Right. Like that. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where it's really muscle memory. Yes. And I think cause I learned at such a young age, I wasn't discouraged at all by yeah. it. And that's one of the things that for anyone out there who maybe wants to try crocheting or knitting or a different craft that they've never done before, mm-hmm. it just takes a little bit of patience because I've taught hundreds of people to knit at this point And, um, it's really easy, especially for adults and adults who are older to get frustrated more easily yeah. because they think, why can't I learn this thing right away? Like everybody can, I, that I know can do it and I should be able to pick this up instantaneously. And it's sort of like, that's not really how it always works. And I've also taught kids how to knit before. Um, and it's usually harder for younger children just because they don't have 
um, the dexterity yet. Um, and they're just still building those fine motor skills. But at a certain age, I think I taught a group of like eight or nine year olds and, um, it was in their school and it was kind of on their lunch break that they could kind of come in and do this little like knit club thing. I think they had that, like, I kind of remember that in, um, elementary school, like growing up, I think they had a knit club and I was so like, I was one of those kids that was like, I don't know, it's going to be embarrassing if I'm not good at it. And I didn't do it. And it's one of, oh no, I know it's one of the biggest regrets because I didn't start knitting um, or crocheting until college. And if I had just taken that class, I would have had an extra like 10 years. But you know what? I don't really think that matters though. (laughs) Because you're amazing at knitting and crocheting. So I don't really think that matters now. But it's one of those things where it's like kids who are younger, what I've taught them before, they're either like two different ways of thinking. One is like, they just go for it and they don't care whatever holes or mistakes they're in. And then the other is like, they're really OCD about it. And they're like, I have to get this right. And they put too much pressure on themselves. So, but I think too, a lot of kids will, they'll like learn when they're younger and then they'll forget. And then they'll take classes when they get older and they're like, oh my God, I know how to do this thing again. Yeah. Cause it's in the muscle for sure. Yeah. It's all muscle memory. But yeah. I also think like I've taught people in their whatever age they're at now and they're like adults and then within a couple years they'll be making sweaters yeah so it just depends like how did you learn to knit at SAIC when we were in college yeah I learned at SAIC and I started with crochet um and it just like came super naturally to me and it wasn't until like um you know a little while later that I learned that like family members had done a bunch of crochet um so it's weird I posted a quote on the Instagram a while ago and it just said sometimes it's just like in your genes or in your DNA <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I felt with crochet it just was, was there I didn't it didn't I never had any of those tension problems initially it was just kind of came very naturally but knitting is like a whole nother story that took some really crack. I feel like for me, it's kind of the opposite. Knitting just clicked in my head and crocheting for me is definitely more of a challenge. I think everyone has one or the other that feels more natural to them because every time I've brought this up with a crafter, they either agree or they say, oh, no, no, knitting was that way for me. That's so interesting. Well, also speaking of like other family members that knit, I will say that, um, Nobody else in my family was a big knitter except for my English grandmother. And um, it kind of skipped a couple generations because my auntie over there um, is, I'm kind of like her knitting fairy. So <laughs> she used to be my grandma. <laughs> and now she's like very scared of her knitting projects and making mistakes. And so, um, I used to go and like fix all of her knitting and then in my American family I think my like aunts probably knew how to knit but they're not as proficient at it and mm-hmm. actually one of my aunts was visiting earlier this year and I um she actually took a knitting lesson at the shop that I work at which is really funny um, yeah 
which is kind of cool. But I also ended up teaching my sister how to knit um, after trying to convince her for, I don't know, like 15 years that she should learn to knit. (laughs) (laughs) she finally came yeah she finally came to the dark side and it wasn't even me that was like the determining factor sisters (laughs) sisters I know we had um an event a few years ago at the shop um with another knitwear designer named Ann Weaver and she does lessons and all kinds of cool things and has Mm -hmm. amazing patterns and she was wearing this gorgeous shawl and my sister would come and visit me at the shop and walk around and be like, oh, I want you to make me this and this and this and this. And I was like, oh, can't you learn to knit? Because, you know, it's one thing if you're knitting things for people who appreciate it, but it takes a lot of time. Yeah. And it's not a cheap thing to do. Yeah. And so I feel like I've made a lot of things or I had made a lot of things for her in the past, but. And she liked it, but she didn't really appreciate how much work went into it. I mean, I think it's impossible to, you know, unless you actually, like, make and knit, you know, you don't really fully grasp, like, how much goes into it. Yeah. Yeah, I, the same thing for my sister. It's like, I'll, you know, make one thing for her. And then she's like, oh, I mean, can you make this and this and this? <laughs> no, you don't understand. You're like, you have no idea how long this takes. Yeah. <laughs> And so, Anne at this event was wearing this gorgeous shawl. And my sister was like, oh, I love that shawl. And Anne was like, oh, it's really easy to make. And so my sister was like, oh, great. That can be my first project. And I was like, um. <laughs> it was like on a size four needle. And it took oh four skeins of a fingering weight, like 400 yards of fingering weight yarn. So... You know, um, the perfect starter project. Exactly. And guess what? <laughs> she did it. So, That's awesome. <laughs> so I guess it was in our genetics. But yeah. <laughs> and now, you know, she makes the same things as me. She'll, we'll do like sister sweater knit alongs and stuff, which is really cool. And she's only been knitting for a few years. So whenever I tell people, okay, if you're determined to learn to knit and your goal is you want to be making a sweater in two years let's make that happen like how can we get you there you know yeah what books or like projects would you recommend for people who are just starting out um and just like want to try something want to get into it um there's a book that's been around for ages called stitch and bitch and (laughs) you've probably heard of it and there's also one for crochet called the happy hooker Yes, love that one. And they're actually really good. They have a lot of great images and information. And when I was teaching myself how to knit, um, because a lot of people in my family are, I didn't live near a local yarn shop. And so Mm -hmm. I would try to teach myself different things about knitting. And so I would read in books and, um, but a lot of the books that I had were very old and not super great so that's why I'm recommending these books um but this was also before the days of YouTube so I know that there are really great videos on YouTube as well (laughs) way back in the olden days I know before the YouTube before the YouTube (laughs) (laughs) we have a thing called libraries (laughs) (laughs) exactly and I actually um I actually 
take a lot of books out of the Harold Washington Library as well, Mm -hmm. because when I was in college, we had some informational, like some of the Vogue knitting books, which are also great. And then um, at the library, I actually used to take out a bunch of knitting books too, to just like read other patterns or just try to inform myself more about like different knitting terminology and different fiber. One of my regrets actually from undergrad was not taking more fibers classes yeah I I have the same regret <laughs> but did you regret. take did you take like intro to fiber I took um a couple weaving courses which you know I mean I think one of the things I love about knitting and crocheting um is just the time and the like meditative practice of making and like weaving is another um that's another thing that's the same type of meditation because it just takes so much time. <laughs> and again, <laughs> you have to be like really conscious of your tension and the rhythm of, um, you know, weaving. So I really enjoyed that. And I wish that I had taken a few more classes um, before I left. There's a place in New York called the Textile Art Center. Um that actually offers a lot of really good weaving classes. And I've been like partnering with them on a few of my events to get the members um, discount codes on their classes, um, which is really great. And I definitely need to like go by there and Ugh, that's so cool. It. Yeah, they have dyeing classes too. You know, I don't know, there's something about the process of making that it really intrigues me. I enjoy the finished products, of course, but the actual process of making an item, for me, that's the, that's where it's at. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I'm also intrigued by the idea of like spinning my own wool, which I haven't got into yet either. Yeah, I haven't done as much of that as I would like, but it's the same thing, you know. Yeah. There's something very calming about this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is that when we were in school, I didn't even think about doing knitwear design or anything like mm-hmm. that um, until my junior year when I stress knitted one of my roommates a blanket. <laughs> and that's when I was like, hmm, I kind of like this knitting thing. Why <laughs> didn't I take more classes in this? You were actually... <laughs> one of the inspirations for me to start knitting and crocheting. Really? Yeah, because I would literally look across the table in school and you would just be knitting away, just constantly (laughs) knitting. I was like, that looks really enjoyable. I need to learn how to do that. She looks so happy. (laughs) Oh, I had no idea. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh my gosh, Samantha. What? Oh my God, that's incredible I had no idea I definitely should have told you that before well I kind of think that's a life goal is just to inspire people to make more yeah yeah and I think it's again I had all this oh I don't know if I can do it built in instead of just trying it you know and so then you're just once you get into it you can kind of wipe all that stuff away but I think for a long time I was just like I don't know how to do it. And so I don't know if I should try it. Just getting in my own head. It's silly, but that's what was happening. Yeah, I feel like we all sort of do that too. I think everybody has that about something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, and then I realized I'm really encouraging with 
people that come into the shop and they're like, oh, I want to try this thing. I'm always like, you can do it. It might take you a little while, but we can get you to make this thing that you want to do. And like I said, I'm not as proficient at crocheting, but um, one of the fiber companies that our shop carries is Mrs. Moon. And they have, I love them. They're, and I got to meet them at TNNA, which was so exciting. I felt like such a fangirl. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> they, they were so sweet. And <laughs> I really, really want to have... go at some point. Yes, you should. Um, so for those of you who don't know, TNNA is um, the buying show for people in the um, yarn shop industry. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of overwhelming because you have to make a lot of important decisions for the year like which fibers are we carrying what don't we have what do we need what um do we think is going to be popular next season yeah so it's really cool and um at tnna i actually brought this crocheted blanket to show them and it was this sunburst granny square blanket Uh pattern that they came out with and their patterns for crochet are so cute and they're very hip and modern because sometimes when you think of crochet you think of very kind of old school yeah. patterns and theirs are definitely not like that and it might also have to do with their color choices and texture and all that kind of stuff absolutely but. yeah I think definitely people have that in their head that it's an older person thing and I think um you know a lot of yarn shops and um you know, companies are kind of missing out on this new younger generation of people who are getting into the craft. Um, I love Nina, by the way, because you guys have so many great colors and range um, that just appeals to the younger group. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a cool shop. Um, we're definitely more of an urban knit store. We have a, a variety of age ranges that come into the shop. So, um, and Hillary, who had worked there for years, her and I worked together for a while, and then she actually bought the shop from the original owner, Nina, mm-hmm. um, a year ago. We just celebrated our year anniversary okay. of her owning the new shop, which has been really exciting. Um, so we've definitely been mixing stuff up, bringing new things into the shop, and it's been really fun. Um, I've learned so much more about knitting and the whole fiber industry too which is awesome yeah that's really cool what are you working on now (laughs) well I have a few things I feel like we all do you're not a real knitter or crocheter unless you have like three projects yeah at least right yeah Yeah. it's a problem (laughs) so it's a problem yeah like I have some things that I kind of put um, we call it, we put them on timeout because we don't want to look at them for a while because maybe we're annoyed or frustrated oh, about the project. <laughs> yeah. So we put that project in a timeout. So I, I have a sweater. <laughs> <laughs> I have a sweater in timeout right now. And then um, I'm working on the Tecumseh sweater by Caitlin Hunter. And I'm using Shibui yarns for it. I'm using the I'm holding Shibui Pebble with Shibui Birch, mm. and I'm loving the way it's coming out. It's It feels amazing. Um, and I also love um, Caitlin Hunter's patterns. They're, I think she's just a really great pattern writer, and I know 
personally, it's hard for me to write my patterns down because I'm always like, I know it makes sense in my head, but will it make sense when I'm writing it down? Same, same here. Pattern writing isn't regulated. You don't have to use terminology. So it's, I don't know, it's very, it's a daunting task for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I I sometimes get stressed out when I'm pattern writing because it's one of those things where it's a process, you know, because you want to get people that can also read through your patterns and then test knit and it's it can be stressful at least it is I know for me so I really appreciate it when I um, start knitting a project and I'm reading somebody else's instructions and I'm like oh my god this is written so well (laughs) and this makes sense in my brain so I feel like most of all of the patterns that I've read from Caitlin Hunter that I've made um they're, I think they're really well written and they're really well done and I'm totally in love with all of her patterns. So yeah, that's, I'm, I'm excited about this sweater and I'm really hoping that I have it done in a couple of weeks so that I can wear it for fall. Yay! <laughs> that's one of the things. And I'm also working on a sock pattern um, from one of the pom-pom quarterlies. It was this spring from 2018. Yeah. Ooh a pair of socks from there. Yeah. I think it's always nice to have a pair of socks on the needles just because it's a good, they're small and they're good to travel with. Do you do um, two pairs at the same time or one and then one? So I don't like doing two at I don't a time. Either. And I'm one of those weird people. I know some people love doing two at a time and it's great because your project usually comes out more even you don't get sock knitting syndrome where you don't want to knit the second right, sock which I suffer from all the time so maybe I should try it yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I actually I don't like it because I feel like my yarn gets all tingled and I like doing I do like doing toe up because I just like the shape that the toe Same, creates yeah yeah and I like doing um magic loop mm-hmm. just one sock at a time yeah I'm always really yeah, impressed that's my when people can do two at a time, but I get so confused. And I was actually talking to someone at the last um, knitting event that I did, and she was doing two at a time, but she switched up the colors on each sock. So, oh, that's so I fun. Know, which I thought was so smart because it's a little simple thing, but I just hadn't thought to do it like that. Um, and just if I get into knitting projects, sometimes I just zone out. I'm just like not mm-hmm. paying attention enough to handle two at a time but oh yeah totally. <laughs> but maybe that's me <laughs> but doing um two separate colors even though it's really simple makes a lot of sense oh yeah totally that's I think socks are way more fun when they're like really wacky yeah yeah Hi, grannies. If you live in the New York City area, you're interested in knitting, crafting, crocheting, and lifetime movies or reality TV shows, and you're looking for something to do after work, go to the Bobble Clubhouse meetup page to find a list of our upcoming events. I hope to see you there. Bye. So what do you like to binge watch or listen to while knitting? I just oh, like, like so many things stuff, but yeah um so it depends on what I'm doing because I also I still sew a lot um if I'm sewing then I'm usually 
listening to podcasts and um if I'm knitting I'm usually watching Netflix so or like whatever Hulu Amazon Prime any of those things um right now I'm trying to think of like what I what podcasts I've been listening to I listen to a lot of WTF with Mark Maron Ooh. Yeah, I just I like interview podcasts. So that's definitely one of my favorite ones because I think he's really great at talking to people and um they're I just feel like they're usually pretty heartfelt and um sometimes they're funny and I just think they're kind of raw and awesome. I love them. And then um I also like Desert Island Discs, which is one of the oldest radio programs I think from BBC Radio 4 and Mm -hmm. it's another interview podcast but (laughs) you can also look through the archives and look at like listen to um, some of the older people that they've interviewed from you know 40 years ago or whatever which is really awesome too yeah and I like that one because it's not they're not just interviewing celebrities Mm mm-hmm so they interview doctors and scientists and designers and um, yes. And I find that kind of inspirational too. Like if you're having a crummy day and you're like, I really, I'm working job and I don't like it, but I want to be doing this other thing. Like, how am I ever going to get there? And sometimes if I listen to those things, I'm like, okay, this person struggled. They had to go through all this stuff to get to this thing that they love doing, yeah. you know? I think that's always like a positive thing to listen to <laughs> but then I also love like some of like the true crime and like um the serial podcast and, oh, yeah. yeah and then did you ever listen to the um one where they're like trying to find what happened to Richard Simmons no oh yeah that was another <laughs> good one <laughs> I forget what it's called it might have been called finding Richard oh, my God. <laughs> that's because I didn't know what a big deal he was in so many people's lives you know like I remember his workout yeah, videos from you know when we were kids but like I didn't pay attention to anything like yeah. you know but yeah that was a great podcast oh, I'll have to go listen to that one that actually sounds like it's right up my alley I remember like, a few <laughs> months ago people were like what happened to Richard Simmons so it was probably in connection with the podcast and then they found that photo they someone posted a photo of him and they're like we found him okay yeah but i'll have to <laughs> listen to that i don't know there's something nice about um i don't know why i really like binge watching or listening to something while i knit both activities take up just the same amount of space in my brain so i can pay attention to both without oh yeah oh definitely I just finished watching Castle Rock on Mm -hmm. Hulu which is yeah it's kind of scary so anything with suspense you know I have to be knitting because it's like oh my god what's gonna happen this is so scary yeah Yeah, it totally is I can handle this scary thing as long as I have my knitting with me yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh man more dorks <laughs> um, but yeah um thank you so much for talking with me um and just chatting about knitting and crafting oh my gosh it was and samantha i'll talk okay, to you soon thanks jen <laughs> bye, bye. bye. 
Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Elderly Millennials, the Bobble Clubhouse podcast. I'm still trying to figure out some of the technical sides of podcasting, and I'm working on my use of likes and ums, but I'm excited to start this journey with you guys. And until next week, happy knitting.